Not this podcast. This is going to be a disaster. Yeah, but, uh, but 2022. Good luck. Hey, this is the Boys Lunch Podcast. You can always contact us at boyslunch1 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at boyslunchpodcast. And no, we don't have a Patreon page, but you can always contact Kevin Cook at kcook at blmccs.org if you're looking to make donations. We won't see a cent of the money, but if you like supporting the cause that kind of supports us, well, it does support us because we are employed by them. Central Catholic is the way to go. That is kcook at blmccs.org. Or you just leave a bag of money outside my car. That would be fine as well. In fact, I typically have the truck unlocked, so if you just want to drop it in there, that'd be great. I also I prefer duffel bags just out in the parking lot. That would be great. With like uh, inconspicuous but obvious, which is inconspicuous but obvious. obvious. (laughs) Impossible to attain. Like one of those big dollar signs. On the outside? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm sure they sell those like a gag store. Or at real stores. Real (laughs) money bag stores. (laughs) Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? Good. Someone already told me that I ruined my year. How did you that next year will be my year? Twenty twenty three is the year of Joseph. Me, but that means that I have to go through eleven months of not having it be my year. Oh jeez. I think they were like making fun of the fact that I caught COVID and missed a week. Oh. So like you've already ruined not off to a great start. What you're saying? There's no. You might as well wait till next year. Redemption impossible. Yeah. So that was a good feeling. Hey, it's almost the end of January. This has gone by. Um, actually, I don't know if it's really going by fast. Yeah, the twenty fifth today it is the twenty fifth. Yeah, we're almost into Catholic Schools Week, the greatest year, <laughs> year of the year of the, the school, school of the, of the school. year. Ah, uh, people are showering us, teachers, Catholic school teachers, with gifts. Is that true? Duffel bags of Duffel money. Duffel bags of money. <laughs> hey, if you're looking for an idea, <laughs> the Catholic Schools Weeks. Yeah, I do enjoy that. We've got the Olympics for those people who are unaware. Uh, it's where the, all the different grades are broken up into different countries and they compete against each other in some fun games of knowledge and physical activity. I'm just <laughs> selling this so great. Uh, go team Poland. Yeah. And then uh, we all just come all, together. All schools, schools man. Four schools, one family. All schools, man. Uh, Lunch in with all the teachers. Four schools, one family. Yeah. Where all the schools week. sit separately but yet eat. At the same we should time. just go sit at another school's table. We should. What do you think? Switch things up. St. Mary's? I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. What's been going on? Are you feeling okay? I'm feeling great. Yeah? Are you sure? Yeah, no. Deep, dark, dark. Mentally, how have you been? <laughs> not here, Joey. Not here. <laughs> Actually, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah? Uh, a little anxious. Um, just got a lot of moving parts right now. Um, <laughs> super descriptive. So many moving parts. So many moving parts. <laughs> Um, just feels like a busy, busier than I thought. I don't know. When you have two weeks where you like, can't do anything, we're just completely locked down over Christmas oh, yeah. break, right? And then it's like, oh, by the way, don't forget you're teaching all these different things. And you, yeah, you playing a little catch up. Playing a little catch up. And then uh, Mary's got some stuff going on at work, all positive things, right? But her schedule kind of shifted, which means like, you know, yeah. we've all got a shift. But thankfully, we've, we're fortunate enough to live with. And you're starting your lecturing gig tonight. Oh, yeah. It's the old lecturing professor gig. Please that, pray for me, people. For those of you that don't know, Paul is a the technical term is a lecturing professor, which is amazing. <laughs> but you have a pretty sweet little gig lined up for this semester at yeah. ICU, kind of helping out. Teaching in the health science department, safety and society, HSC 170. Sign up. Sign also up. teaching it this summer. Oh, cool. Um, 
Yeah, I'm a little anxious. I've uh, taught it online before, but never in person. First night tonight, right? Yeah, this is the first in-person night tonight. So prayers appreciated. You won't get this before I'm teaching. So he's going to He's going to vomit on himself. <laughs> I'm like, I'm that type of guy that just gets consumed by it. Like my shower took like, I just caught myself like not just sitting in the shower, just thinking about what I was going to say. Yeah. I'm like that guy that gets lost in this thought. Yeah. And then like I was, you know, we're making a lunch turns into a 10 minute thing because I, I yep. stopped between things to just think about it. What came to my mind was Ross from Friends when he tries to start to be a professor. In the episode, he like starts doing an accent, and then he gets to a point where they start liking him, but then like they find out that he doesn't have the accent. Uh, or Ted Mosby teaching architecture. So oh, you yes. are basically like them, Ted Mosby from How Much Money. Uh, not an appropriate show either of them, so do not watch them. Uh, but I also thought about my first day of teaching. I remember like in South Dakota, like before I taught, I had almost like written out like everything I was going to say. Oh yeah. And it was like running over, like, what is like the first time teaching any subject? She's like, you just don't want to get caught or like misstep or you want to seem competent. I was telling yeah. Mary this last night. It's like, I just don't want to come off as incompetent. Yeah. Right. But I, you're going to go by Paul, aren't you? <laughs> please, please call me Paul. No, 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 Paul. No, we want to call you a <laughs> professor. No, no, no. Um, but I got to be honest. I just, I don't know why. I'm, I'm a people pleaser. I want them to have a good time. Yeah. But as we were talking about earlier today, I was talking with Mary last night, like this isn't as important as like relationship building is in high school. Yeah. Like, these kids are here to take this course to get the information to pass. Some of these people, it's just a gen ed that they'll never think about again. Some people, it's, you know, the first of many classes that teachers will have a chance to correct my errors. Um, <laughs> so I just got to relax. Yeah. It's a different like beast. Like high schools, yeah, they're just different right. than college. And the expectations of what happens in a class are different. Yeah. So people used to call me professor because of my skills on the basketball court. Exactly. Now. <laughs> that junior high basketball, man. How are you doing? I'm here, man. It's actually been a pretty good week. Um, I think both of us are kind of trudging through some topics that are just like very important, but Challenge. can be like wearing down on you. Oh, yeah. Um, so last week, I think I was feeling kind of some of that. But this week, I think it's been good. Uh, We've had a lot of good conversations, too, just kind of like helping each other out. Dropping it's almost like ideas. we teach like similar things and we can <laughs> offer each other best practices and advice. It's crazy. Yeah. Friendship is cool. We should do we this should more do often. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has helped us get through some of that stuff. So uh, shout out to Paul. Shout yeah. out to Joey. Yeah. Or the kingdom. No. I right, see you guys just... later. <laughs> um, yeah. So what are you hitting us with today? Something that's going to rock your minds. Not rock your world. Just your minds. I wanna rock with you all night. That was a good era of Michael Jackson, wasn't it? Was there a bad era of Michael Jackson? You're, we are about to get a jeez. ton of emails. Yeah, jeez, dude. Absolutely. What you just heard was me uh, scooting up finally to the desk. <laughs> I've been lounging. It is my prep period, and I normally checked out by this point. But anyway, you know, jump into some stuff. Yeah, let's do it. I have some stuff that I've found intriguing Ooh. or interesting, Enticing. like connecting. What? And it's been like exciting for me intellectually. And so interested. naturally, it'll be exciting for everyone <laughs> yeah, else right. intellectually. That is normally the case. It's like one of those stories, like when you get to the end of it, you're looking for laughs. Yeah, do you see it? But they're just like, <laughs> like ah, I guess you had to be there. Yeah, I think you probably had to be there in my mind <laughs> to enjoy this. No, I think it'll be interesting and, and a good, um, like, oh, cool. <laughs> cool. And just, you know, some education. Let's do it, man. People love education. We ended our last little uh, update. I gave a little teaser about the start of it. Mm -hmm. We've been reading a, a book from Julian Caron of the Communion and Liberation Movement. What's the book even called? Oh, no. Is there hope or something? Oh, shoot. 
Well, it's about hope. We don't actually have the book. We've been reading chapters that have been printed off. So <laughs> give us some. <laughs> give us a break. I'm so sorry, Joseph. It's Joseph okay. Shope. Uh, my, my fault. But the, the quote I mentioned was from Pope Francis talking about the pandemic. Even worse than this crisis is the, is the tragedy of squandering it. So basically these moments that we've talked about before with the pandemic, how it like, kind of awakens something within us to ask the questions about life. And just kind of our um, attitude. I, I don't know if I quoted this or not, but um, he says, there's always a temptation to erase the things that force us to ask ourselves what gives meaning to life. So I think you mentioned this global character. This is like a unique event because it spared nobody these questions. Yeah. And some are silencing them faster than others. But the question you have people asking these, why am I here? What is it at stake in my existence? Um, someone quoted saying 2020 coincided with an unexpected reawakening of my eye, of me, of like my consciousness. Yeah. His language is kind of cool. He uses like that vibration of our reason. He says, there is a vibration of our reason, an urgent need for meaning. For many, it is translated into how can we fix and solve things or how our human, human effort or science fix this. But it's digging at something deeper than this. So that got me to think about, I don't want to spend all the time talking about that. I found it really cool in the past few years, finding people describing what does it mean to be human and how human beings are that part of nature where you're at a point of questioning yourself, being able to ask these questions of why am I here? Mm -hmm. These questions of existence, um, the, the questions of meaning and things like that. And I, I've just found that always fascinating. And it led me kind of into this idea of what really is this search for knowledge and philosophy? Yeah, I think these are all very important questions, questions that you and I have had several conversations <laughs> about that it's getting harder and harder to show the importance of these questions to, to kids that we're teaching, mm -hmm. um, I think, and ourselves included, and why this pandemic was so critical um, to kind of jump starting this again, was we've kind of, whether it be through complacency or constant distraction, that those questions of meaning and purpose they kind of get washed away in the noise and the busyness of just life being lived or the things that we, we, we prioritize maybe incorrectly. Um, and it, it's, it's not a condemnation on everyone. It's just the reality that those big questions of why am I here? What is my purpose kind of get lost? Um, because we find ourselves on, on a track of least resistance and that's just where we are. We feel most comfortable and they're important. And people I think dealt with them differently throughout the pandemic, but they're in questions that needed reawakened. And these, these questions of the universe, that has always been what philosophy is, yeah. what theology is. But philosophy is really kind of checking, like looking at these mysteries and trying to figure out what they are, this acknowledgement. Uh, and that's what I kind of want to get into. Like a little bit, I, I've been listening to a couple of different things. And there was a group of guys that did kind of like a little like introduction to what philosophy is. And I just felt like the way they described it was interesting and would be beneficial for people. Um, one of the quotes that just kind of got me... Uh, what we were just saying, cows chew contentedly in the meadow while men spoke discontentedly in the bars. When animals have their needs, their needs met, they sleep. And when men have their needs met, they start asking questions. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like we are a being that is looking for more and we were made this way. If we look at kind of um, philosophy, they said that really natural mysteries, philosophy is trying to figure out these natural mysteries of life, time, space, physicality, matter, like what is all this stuff? Is that the concept of mystery is crucial to the nature of philosophy because mystery limits our reason. Mm -hmm. And it's important because we can see that there's something, but we can't understand it. We can know that there's a God, but we don't know much about him or the detail of his plan or nature, but we know there's more and that leaves room for divine revelation. Basically divine revelation meaning God like revealing himself to us. I think that's the cool part about philosophy is that 
the mystery is what makes it so important because our human re reason can do a lot of things, but it kind of shows what our place is, who we are, what we're made for, and it helps us to be more receptive. Thoughts so far? No, I like that. I like that quote too. And you kind of see this rise of, you know, scholastic philosophy is when we civilization moves into an era in which they have needs are easier met because of technologies. They have more time to think and ponder. Um, and I think, and then applying it to now, like I, some of my most fulfilling conversations are when I'm resting with people, but we're engaging on this kind of higher plane. I think that's the importance of philosophy is like one of the greatest of the sciences. Um, I think people just kind of feel it inherently, like when they're, we've talked about this before, just having great conversation around a campfire, but it's something that's an elevated conversation. And I think everyone knows it when they're in it, but mm -hmm. don't experience it a lot. But yeah, this idea, our reason knows more that there is more to know that it can know. Our mind is already transcending itself. We have access to this, this transcendent realm. And in, in Christian philosophy, they call that spirituality. Like our mind is transcending itself. And we actually have access to this realm above us and beyond us. Like we've, we've talked about truth, beauty, goodness, yeah. metaphysics, being. If you think that everything is comprehensible, they said, basically you're cutting yourself off from all the beautiful, wonderful, transcendent things of reality. That's why a lot of these trends of materialism um, within philosophy has been really the death of philosophy and knowledge of scientism where we're reducing everything to just a level uh, of what we can prove through the scientific method, valuable information. But what we've done within philosophy the last 400, 500 years, if, if we say that everything is comprehensible, we're cutting out the mystery, we're cu cutting out revelation, we're cutting out the things we're able to rest in, um, which I thought was kind of interesting. And, and what I want to hit on, and if you haven't been um, excited or interested yet, <laughs> just wait, if we kind of break this down, how did philosophy originate? Philosophy is something innate within us. It literally means philosophy. Uh, study of wisdom. Lover of wisdom. Oh, lover of wisdom. Yeah. Dang it. And the story goes that Pythagoras, one of his followers, basically told him he was a wise man. And he says, don't call me that. That's what I want. I don't have the mind of God. I want divine wisdom, the mind of God, but I don't have that. You can call me a lover of wisdom, but don't call me a wise person. So that's kind of where this idea came from. He wants deep, profound wisdom in his life and recognizes that he doesn't have it. So I kind of want to get into this idea of wisdom, um, our mind transcending itself, realizing what it doesn't know. I think that's a valuable part of humanity that we're missing. And if you look at it, um, Socrates had a similar thing. Socrates, a Greek philosopher, uh, on trial, and they said, you're a teacher of things above the heavens and below the earth. And he, and he has this famous line of saying, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know the stuff about that. Just like Pythagoras, that divine wisdom, that information about ultimate reality not that I don't know anything, but I know that I don't know that. There was this wisdom in this. And human wisdom recognizes there's more wisdom that is available to us than we can get ourselves. And that's kind of the whole idea. And this professor, he's a philosophy professor at Franciscan. He explained it well. He said that philosophy is not an academic field. It is not just about the information. Philosophy is a way of life. And of course, people are going to romanticize about it that are right. in the field of philosophy. But he said it's about finding the wonder it's about a, a journey of finding, just like theology, finding what truth is um, and finding this wonder and amazement of things that bring us beyond. Thoughts so far? No, I love everything you're saying. I've got ideas, but I want to see you finish this. What I wanted to bring it into is this idea of wisdom. It's been kind of one of the classic things within Christian tradition. I mean, even the Old Testament, the, the amount of wisdom literature we have, mm -hmm. um, it's always been important. Thomas Aquinas, one of the great scholastic thinkers, mm -hmm one of the biggest thinkers that kind of broke down what really life is when he talks about wisdom, he has wisdom. Did I tell you this before? I don't think so. 
he has wisdom as an intellectual virtue. So a virtue, a good habit within our mind that we can build up. But for wisdom also for him is a gift of the spirit. And it kind of shows the two aspects. Wisdom is something that we can begin to discern now, but ultimately at its height, it has to be given to us by God. And that's kind of this journey of our, of our mind, of our hearts longing for these things. There is work that we have to do, things that we have to begin to discern, but ultimately at the height, there is room that we have to actually be receptive. And they gave this analogy of the epiphany, and this just happened. The epiphany, the wise men coming to Jesus. They got so close to Jerusalem by following the star, but they needed eventually, they needed the scribes to tell them exactly where the kingdom of Jews was to be born. They'd done everything to put all the pieces of the universe together to try to get to this area, but they also needed room for this divine revelation to show them. There's a marriage of the wisdom of the intellectual virtue and the gift from God. I thought that was just a cool analogy at this time of, of the awesome. epiphany, like just showing how the two of those things go together, but how our modern philosophy has isolated those two things and how it's now it's just the intellectual virtue. It's about what we can know and accomplish and not what we can actually receive. Now, I have a little bit more, but I want to give you a little uh, platform tip. Are you... Are you advocating for uh, a greater desire to gain in wisdom or grow in wisdom? Or you feel like that's maybe a... One of the things I think is just like a misunderstanding of wisdom. Wisdom isn't having all the answers. Wisdom, most of the Christian thinkers would say, is being able to understand what truth is, but also knowing what you don't know. Like a wise person is able to understand what they know and what they don't know. Which leads room for wonder and awe. Mm-hmm. So when I think, when you when you say this, the first thing I think of is, and we've used this example before where it feels like our generation is constantly, constantly looking down because that's where everything is, or we believe mm-hmm. that the answers are. And, you know, there's no room for that because you, you're, you know, within a second, you can get an answer to almost anything by just looking it up or, you know, you're entertained or you feel like all your needs are met in that, which can be held in your hands, whether mm-hmm. it be a phone or, or, or whatever um, of this world, mm-hmm. we plan at the very minimum when, I think there is something significantly lacking from the human person that doesn't make room for, and we've talked about this before, awe and wonder and, and, and to look upwards, right? yeah. to look upwards to something beyond itself and to have that desire, that fire within to that yearns for that mm-hmm. and recognizes that what I see before me isn't enough. And there's something greater, right? Something that I don't know that either needs received or, or, brought about through various means, but it's something just like, I don't know this. I always hearken back to this, like time spent on our deck at home, looking up or the wonder that my girls see in the stars, right? This mm-hmm. idea that I need and why we foster this with our children is to just continue to want them to desire that, to have a, a it changes you. Like if you have that materialist mindset that it, there's no spiritual reality, it is just a matter we're here. We have to be here by chance. Let's make the most of it by looking downwards, like yeah. you said, we're looking for satisfaction in things that are down and it's not going to meet our needs. That's like that men are smoking in the bar discontentedly mm-hmm. because we realize that these things are ultimately not going to satisfy us and we are naturally drawn. And he, my last little kind of like little intellectual blip to throw in, he traces this back a lot to Kant, um, the philosopher Immanuel Kant. But he said that in tradition, they always had kind of two, the nature of the mind had two functions. In Latin, it was the intellectus and ratio. And ratio was your... You're rationing, like you're problem solving, working through things, coming up with models, working with problems, hypothesizing more like science, part of our function of our, of our human nature. And intellectus is the insight that you receive. Um, when you're sitting and contemplating a poem or walking in nature, or something strikes you and occurs to you, and it's given to you like these muses that inspire you, then that gift is a different function of the mind. We have a ratio, our processing, our hypothesizing, working through things. And that's what I think 
the materialist view is like, let's look down and see what we can fix and control. Let's manipulate nature. Let's make things happy for us here. Or the intellectus is more open to above mm -hmm. these muses that inspire me, these things that actually break through these moments of grace. And basically contemplation mm. is what that intellectus is. And that's why in philosophy and theology, contemplation has always been seen as the greatest act of the mind because it's able, it's a complete reception to contemplate is to try to understand the things, but it's more of a, especially within the heights of prayer and Christian spirituality and philosophy, contemplation is receiving from God, receiving from the truth itself and having that wisdom that's given to you, not just the wisdom that's kind of earned. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I thought that was such a cool connection. Yes of especially like breaking down for Kant, when you start to take out the intellectus and the reception and you say that all that matters is the effort that we put in. Um, that's why we see all these different philosophies and mindsets and, and problems within our world today. I mean, and we see this in kind of our approach to education now, give me the answers, give me what I need to pass the test and mm -hmm. move on. We've lost a lot of, and I think why there's sometimes pushback when we ask these questions and ask them to spend the time and just like a think about this, just mm -hmm. think about this for a second. Right. There's a moment of just like dead air that they're meant to, they need to contemplate or elevate their thought, which is more and more challenging for people because they're spending less and less time doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just like practical steps moving forward, if you're looking to like foster this in our lives, I don't know if you have your thoughts on this, but I mean, I just, it's something about just going for a walk, spending time sitting outdoors. Um, in a quiet cha adoration chapel, these mm -hmm. moments of, and we've talked about this, fostering silence, fostering space and room for your mind to elevate itself and mm -hmm. to spend its time in contemplation. I love that you made that connection because that's, I mean, there's just, there's just so much good that can come from it. And what, what, at what cost, mm -hmm. right? Nothing. Yeah. And that's just like, a, this speculative contemplative philosophy is practical. The split that comes with uh, Rene Descartes, Bacon, Kant, saying that practical philosophy, I'm using air quotes, yeah. is, is just the things that are going to make nature practical to us, studying atoms, like making gizmos and machines to make our life better. All that can be helpful, but that's not just what practical philosophy is. It was kind of this overcorrection of that scholastic movement you mentioned. Yeah. Scholastic movement for those people that are nerds out there coincides with kind of the rise of the universities, 1200s, 1300s. These great thinkers in the Dominicans, especially St. Thomas Aquinas, like it was an overreaction. Did they go too far and like split hairs on speculating like how many hairs are on an angel head? Like, yeah, yeah. But you can't just throw everything out with that. Like mm -hmm. there was there is value to ratio. There's value to intellectus. There's value to the intellectual virtue of wisdom. But there's value in that reception, seeing wisdom as a gift. And today we were reading a chapter in the Screw Tape Letters, and it fits with this perfectly. The demon was trying to tempt the human. Or, or to not let the human go take a walk to the mill, one of his favorite walks in nature, because he knew that when he was in that nature, these muses would start to come. It says this asphyxiating cloud comes around him where he's almost impenetrable by the demon because he let him read a good book. He let him take a good walk um, where it wasn't just his ratio. It was this contemplation and this reception of, of wisdom. I love that. And this is, the book is, is there hope? Or is it from nice. a nice pool so that's um, kind of how my mind went to connect to things like starting to ask these questions humans are at the level this a level of nature where we're asking why are we here asking these big questions of the universe and that really is what this way of life of philosophy is this way of loving wisdom seeking wisdom in a way that's not just human effort me figuring everything out manipulating everything but me receiving right and i think 
the point of this book or what he's setting up, we're just getting into chapter three, we're reading this together, but it's, he's setting up the fact that like, don't let this moment go, let it pass by without taking advantage of this opportunity. Cause this mm-hmm. is a unique moment in which the world, and we're still very, very much amidst it, but kind of coming out of it, but there's still opportunity here to like, to slow down uh, before our lives get busy again, to try to take advantage of these callings, these yearnings, these questions. I mean, and they, sometimes they come in the form of anxieties. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just like, well, now it's kind of quiet and I'm like yearning. I'm like, all of a sudden I'm just like, Oh, Mm -hmm. in reality, it's like, it's these pokings and proddings we've talked about before that are like, you know, why am I uncomfortable in the silence? Why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. Why are these, these anxieties when I'm not doing something or I don't have something to do, right? These are opportunities to not see them as, as, merely negative, but as an opportunity mm-hmm. not to be lost, to, to, to ask those probing questions and to rest in those and to contemplate and spend that time in contemplation on them. So yeah, beautiful, man. Love what you do there. I don't think you had to be there to enjoy that. Hey, thanks. If you're still listening, send you an email. Let yeah. Know. I thought that epiphany thing was pretty cool. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. It's like there. they, uh, they had to use their wisdom to find that, but they still need the God's revelation, the scribes to help lead them. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's cool. Because at the time when I was like, listening to you, it was like, <laughs> now it's January 25th. But, uh, yeah. Anywho, yeah. Any shout outs? Oh, I forgot. I was going to say something really quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, we had a, a good discussion uh, at our little small group thing. Yeah. Where I was saying like day five of quarantine, like a lot of things, like like you just mentioned, it's hit different people in different ways. Like even just getting COVID, there's, there's those like questions of my own like physical health. But there's questions on my mental health. Yeah. For the day of four or five, there's things that are being brought to light of like, this life is not satisfying. Especially we are married with kids. So there's a lot of things that are pulling us in different ways. And sometimes we get this temptation of like, I just want time to myself. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was exciting the first few days. I feel bad for my wife. Thank you so much for doing all the work. But by day four and five, I'm like, I cannot live a life like this. Yeah. It helped kind of like bring this revelation to my life. But I, I wanted to say that I kind of forgot it for a second. But anyway, shout out to my wife for all that she's done uh, working these like, past few days. And um Shout out to all those people that are just working through it in the midst of, of, of trying to seek truth. And things. Yeah. Keep, keep pushing, reach out to people. Yeah. Keep, keep on. To Chris Godsey. Uh, my wife ran into him and oh, nice. not my wife, my mom. <laughs> Sorry, Freud. <laughs> uh, my mom ran into him and uh, he's still a faithful listener. Oh, nice. So thank you. Uh, shout out to Kay Morris, who has, who has returned. I think I mentioned that last week. Nice. Uh, shout out to Paige um, Peterson's mom. I just heard from Paige today that she still listens. So nice. thank you, Paige Peterson's mom. Uh, shout out to all of my family uh, for not only listening, but especially my parents and brother and sister-in-law and my wife. And well, shout out to my whole family <laughs> for uh, for keeping that. We had that Raver and Christmas last. So I just want nice. to thank them for all that they did for that. And and uh, yeah, appreciate everybody. Shout out to my today. brother Jason who called me while he was in the Bobcat working <laughs> and just FaceTime with me while I was in quarantine. Do you, you have another shout out? Huh? No, man. I think okay. we. For the kingdom. For the kingdom. <laughs>